Brothers Podcast. I am one half of the Warner Brothers Podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm joined by my brother Keenan. You might catch him perusing battle rap battles from across the years. You might catch him. You might just catch him perusing pro football reference yep. for fun. <laughs> That's my but, life. Uh, Keenan, how you doing? I'm how you good. doing? Um, I'm good. I am been perusing battles and perusing pro uh pro football pro basketball reference actually i was doing i was writing an article because i'm now i do a little bit of writing for the last word on sports in the basketball section i was actually doing a little bit of writing on iowa setting the record at the college at the uh i can't even think at canuck i can I, I crossed over at canuck i don't know why i blanked on it but yeah, so I was writing about that and I was looking into the Iowa women. Caitlin Clark decided to put up a 31 point triple double outside against, it was against DePaul, but still Caitlin Clark just doing Caitlin Clark things. But yeah. DePaul uh, or I'm Nepal? Good. A DePaul. <laughs> All right. I was going to say they played, would be wild. <laughs> they, they played Nepal, Nepal's national team. That would be, uh, that would be random. But I've seen similar random things, I guess, in college preseason. Uh, we are joined by. Crazy. We are joined by some call him Timmy G, some call him Himothy Gray. You might catch him selling iPhone products on the low. You might catch him doing offensive lineman drills just for the fun of it. You might catch him doing shot put just for the fun of it. Tim Gray, he's joining us. Doing How you well, doing, Tim? doing well. This is some of the best Glad introductions I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. My goodness, I love it. I'll have to, I'll have to have more for you, Keaton. That, those were pretty basic, but we got to do some deep dives on your hobbies. You got some, uh, like, you, you know. You might you might catch him with Doritos and cream cheese on a cracker <laughs> sandwich. Not in a while, you might catch you might catch me singing Pink one day, and then I don't even know the next day. One temptation. You might catch him that, singing Pink one second, and then who knows, shoddy low the next minute. <laughs> Let alone the next day, the next minute. Uh, listen, we had a wild week in the NFL to say the least. Boring Sunday, to some say. people here. Yeah, Tim called it boring. I don't know. And then and then coincidentally, his uh his football team played a very similar a game. A very boring football about, game. Yeah, they did. I didn't find that boring. It was pretty boring. I don't, know. I don't find it was like a like that boring. What do you call it? It was like a beautiful struggle kind of thing. Uh maybe in the Giants Bills case, not so beautiful, but there was a couple games that the struggle I liked, but some some are <laughs> uglier than others. Yeah. I.e. Raiders Pats, that was like watching paint dry. Yeah, that sucked. That was <laughs> that sucked. That was not good. Like a lot of low scoring right. games, but like to me, Cincinnati and Seattle was an interesting game this week. Like that, even though it was, was low game. scoring, like it was interesting to see kind of how the for the fortune how the Seahawks got to the red zone so much, but they couldn't capitalize. The uh, Bengals defense really came up big. The Bengals offense looked like 2022 offense early and then late they really couldn't do much tried to do just enough but that defense really pulled it together for him but overall it was a very interesting weekend and i cannot wait to get into what we're doing much to talk about absolutely much to talk about uh how do you guys i know keen you have a way you want to attack this you want to just talk about the games generally or do you want to open up to the dais 
um, your uh, your prompts. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna open up with the prompts. I think it'll just naturally get us talking about these games. Like, don't have to just specifically talk about one thing. We can talk about the games as well, but kind of just direct the conversation from there. And then afterwards, I know you had something. And then if and we don't touch a team or touch a topic that we want to, we touch we go on it and then get out of here by eight fifteen because we got a big game on tonight that I actually care to watch. <laughs> So have a good one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, first thing, this weekend was full of surprises. So, first question: What was the biggest surprise to you guys over the weekend? Uh, it can be a player, it could be a team, it could be whatever. But biggest surprise over the weekend, uh, Timmy. We'll start with you. Um, I actually have kind of. It's kind of like a doubled up together one. But honorable mention yeah. goes to the Giants' defense for actually playing a pretty decent game. Um, yeah. Doesn't usually happen, so it's good to see it. Um, and then the biggest surprise to me was seeing both undefeated teams lose to backup quarterbacks. Um, granted, yeah. both those teams do have good defenses and they kept them in the game, but uh, I just definitely didn't expect both teams to go down. I definitely could have seen the route for either one of them, uh, but I didn't think both was going to happen in the same week. Definitely. I. I'm going to second that, Kyle. Do you have any uh, – do you want to add to that, or do you have one that you want to go with, and then I'll go off of mine? Uh, you can go ahead first if you'd like, actually. Okay, because mine is half of the leg. So um, mine's the Jets and Eagles side of it. And Zach Wilson, though he's not – though he's not, like, throwing a lot of touchdowns, what Zach Wilson's doing right now is playing baseline starting game manager quarterback – and right now with how that defense is playing, that's all they need to do. So he's not putting the ball in harm's way, which was the one thing you could count on Zach Wilson for doing, really. Obviously, like against the Chiefs, he had the fumble. He had a pick late in the uh, game last week, but they ended up winning anyways. But Zach Wilson's actually been playing pretty sound football, especially against an Eagles team. I understand they're missing Darius Slay and Jalen Carter, but he didn't play a bad game. Jalen Hurts did play a terrible game, and the Jets' defense does look very good, even though they're out their top two corners. So, overall, that game shocked me because the Jets look like a team right now that can compete for a playoff spot. And especially, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but Aaron Rodgers' Week 12 is in in eyesight. I'll believe it when I see it. But, like, report, he's already throwing a football, obviously, after 34 days, but they say week 12 is, like, in eyesight. Not that it's going to be exactly week 12. Beyond me. Kyle, you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, if that's true, like, whatever this modern medicine is, that's going to have Aaron Rodgers' Achilles completely repaired by week 12 for him to play. Uh, probably needs to be investigated, because that just sounds like straight-up steroids to me, but... Whichever. Uh, yeah, first of all, I'm going to second Tim's point of the Giants. Uh, yeah, that was completely surprising that they were not only competitive, but competitive for that long mm-hmm. in it all the way to the end. Uh, and the defense being the star of the show, that was completely surprising. Um, my biggest surprise, though, overall, is how many good coaches had puzzling decisions this weekend. Uh, first of all, in the London game, we had the Titans make a big play to get down think inside the five like right down to the three yard line they decide to not give derrick henry the ball with their backup quarterback in they don't even have him in the game uh that was puzzling they end up losing uh 
you mentioned the Eagles, Keenan, the Eagles and Jets, third and nine. All you got to do is punt it to Zach Wilson and let him do Zach, William, Zach Wilson things against the Eagles defense. Great defensive line. Uh, no, third and nine, let's throw it. Puts the Jets in position to win the game. Uh, Eagles let them score, but they ultimately lose the game in a very, very winnable situation. They played an ugly game the entire time, and it looked like they were going to come out with a win. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they, they decided to throw it. Uh, Arthur Smith in the Falcons game. They're down eight, and he could have just kicked the extra point, decides to go for two, gets stuffed. So that makes it a harder comeback for one Desmond Ritter. And they had, I believe, for sure, two more attempts, maybe even three more attempts in the red zone. Never scored, never took any points, end up losing 24-16. Just puzzling coaching decisions from good coaches, I believe, all across the league and, you know, cost them wins in all three of those cases. I I definitely that's my biggest surprise. I definitely agree with that. Um, Two things I want to piggyback off of real quick is Atlanta. I feel like they need to use Bijan more in the red zone. Like I feel they're almost like trying to ease him in for some reason. I understand you have Tyler Algier. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely a good back a thousand last year, over a thousand last year, but Bijan is the best player on your team already. Like we need to just, get him the ball he is spectacular with the ball in his hands he has spectacular hands you need to get the ball into his hands easy with him already like jet sweeps coming across with a little flip pass like things like that that's already getting him going plus lining him up behind the backfield more like he's running like 12 to 14 times a game like he came off a 2000 and like he came off a huge year in texas like if he can take more of the workload there that's one and two, obviously it wasn't as much coaching, but the Tyrod Taylor end of the half against the Giants really oh, kind of lost them the game because they that's kicked. the that's the last that's the last one I forgot to mention. Uh, that was absolutely coaching. I mean, the play they ran at the end of the game, they should have ran that before the half, and then okay, we don't get it. Let's kick a field goal. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely coaching to me because I could see if they were right on the goal line. Sure, go ahead, give it to Saquon if they stop him you live with that but given that it was a yard yard and a half run the same play they ran at the end of the game that ultimately lost in the game run that little play action if you want throw it out of the back of the end zone i mean that's football one-on-one especially with what they had what 12 seconds left i believe um yeah sorry that was the last one i forgot to mention but yeah just dumb coaching decisions from good coaches across the league yesterday usually it's the usual suspects but to me, those were four of our the best coaches you have in this league mm-hmm. who all made puzzling game management decisions. So the the Tyrod Taylor thing, um, from what it looked like from my standpoint, was that was a Tyrod Taylor miscommunication and not um, necessarily <clears throat> a coaching decision. Um, they were definitely supposed to run a pass play there, and he checked out of it. You could see him audible right before the snap, and then they checked into a run. You don't run a run play with 14 seconds on the clock. You cannot snap the ball and spike it at, at that point. Um, what the announcers said was they probably were trying to run an option play, but Tyrod thought it meant I have the option to audible if I want to. Because when he went to the sideline, you can tell Dayball was completely not on the same page as Tyrod Taylor was. He was furious. He was mad. There was definitely a miscommunication there. But that does go into the coaching. I also have a quick question off of that. 
how do you guys feel about a coach berating a player like that on the sideline? Only ask because like if a player was to do that to other players, I know depending on who you are, people have a problem with it. I don't know if you feel like you have a problem if your coach is doing that too or not. Uh, no, I have no problem with it at all. I mean, it all depends on the player ultimately, but I mean, in that case, it's completely valid, you know, especially, you know, like Tim says, if that is on Tyrod and, you know, that is what happened, he checked out and it cost you points. Yeah, that's one of the occasions when you can go off on a player, uh, you know, and we see that from time to time in football. Uh, we say it all the time. The NFL is a coach's league. If there's any league where you should be able to go off A on your staff, B on your players, it's the NFL. So I have no problem with it. No issue at all. Okay. Timmy, do you? I wouldn't say I have necessarily a problem with it. We obviously see it a lot. And I mean, we've definitely all experienced that where a coach got mad. Um, Mm -hmm. In a lot of situations, it doesn't help the situation. Um, Like they could have just like ran a play. They didn't have a timeout. So they could have just taken the points right there if they wanted to. Obviously you want to, you know, take your shots at the end zone and get your touchdowns. But we've seen Dable do that multiple times now. We saw him like week one with the Cowboys, he kind of went off on Daniel Jones for throwing a pick. And it's just, sometimes it just doesn't help the situation. In that situation, I get it. You know, you're in this game, you're going to win. You can win, at least. Uh, with the Cowboys one, they were down like 28 nothing. I didn't really see a point in him like screaming at his player for making a bonehead decision there. But time and place. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I agree. I think it's time and place. Um, I also think that's something that you can do behind – closer like they it wasn't like they had like a lot of time like that was the play right before the half you can berate him for 10 to 15 in the in the locker room and that's understandable and not not like the media obviously controls everything in your environment but obviously as we know media it does play a part in an nfl roster that's obviously what we're talking about with aaron Rodgers. well how are we well, how will he adjust to the New York media if they're doing bad, how fans turn on and blah, 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 so on and so forth. I just feel like when you start to do this to multiple players in multiple situations, you start to get this kind of weird media cloud over you as you're just not treating your players right and you're like there's something going on there. Not that that's even the case, but I just think that that's something that could happen behind closed doors because I have no problem with like a coach yelling at a player or even a player getting yelling at other players or a player in a sense, kind of having a back and forth argument with a coach. Like you guys are all there, you're professionals, you're a grown adult, you're there to win. So I'm fine with it. I just think that not always doing it out in the public is the best case. I would say a couple of things to that. One being, as I mentioned it being, you know, a coach's league with the mm-hmm. NFL, they don't have as much, or there's a lot of roster spots and some players are, kind of stuck with their team. Uh, so just to make the comparison to the NBA, that happens in the NBA, depending on the coach, you're almost, you know, the players have you by the balls. You know, mm-hmm. you got players making $40 million a year who can just demand a trade at any time. So you can't do that in the NBA. And the NFL, you kind of do have more control to where you can do that. Um, I agree with you in general. In theory, there is a time and a place. But I think if there's one time a coach deserves to do it, it's on a situation like that. Um, I would almost be pissed as a fan if I saw my coach not losing his mind in a situation like that. Uh, and yeah, New York media, it's definitely a different animal. You know, there's certain markets, New York, Boston, Philly, where everything's just 
dramatized to like the thousandth degree, but that comes with it. That comes with the territory. So you're almost damned if you do, damned if you don't, mm-hmm. if you're Dable. Because, you know, I can guarantee you they'd be writing about it if he wasn't unhappy in that situation, too. So, yep. Okay. Um, I agree. I agree in that sense, too. I think as obviously there's a fine line between what to do, what not to do. And obviously there's split second decisions and you have to control your emotions. But I was just curious of your guys' thoughts on that. Uh, so second one I'll propose. Which player do you believe had the best weekend? And Kyle, I'm going to start with you because Timmy started the last one. I'll start until the next one. I don't know about best weekend, but to me, he won the weekend for me, and that's Jared Goff going into Tampa and winning that game. Um, I think we all think the Lions are somewhat for real. You know, it's hard to tell. And then we got a team in Tampa who has outperformed expectations. Yep. And it's a close game. You know, Lions coming off. No, they played last week. They're not coming off a bye, but Tampa's coming off a bye. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, they got formidable uh, players on defense, formidable players on offense would not be, you know, out of the question for that to be a trap game for the lions, especially with the Ravens coming up uh, and they handled their business and not just one, one convincingly against at least a pretty good bucks team. We can at least say a slightly above average bucks team. So, you know, Goff being the quarterback, him leading them in there, that's a big, uh, you know, adult NFL win there for him, you know? So, Mm -hmm. That's big time. You know, if we want to even call that a Dan Campbell, I wouldn't mind him being the winner of my weekend, whether it's Dan Campbell, golf, the Lions in general. But I think that's big time for them. That's got to be one of the biggest wins in the franchise in general. Yeah. Uh, Timmy, what what about you? I also wrote Jared Goff. Um, I just thought he kind of just handled that game. I didn't expect him to throw for 350 yards. Uh, the Buck, Like Kyle said, the Bucks defense is pretty decent, uh, definitely above average. Um, so I definitely didn't expect it to be, you know, a 20 to six game like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've got kind of like a, if you're going, cause obviously it's a player, but I'm going with the Bengals front. If you want me to say a specific person, it'd be Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard, but the Bengals front line alone with how much that, they were moving the the Seahawks were moving the ball on the of uh, Bengals, but at every single point that they needed to get a stop, a big sack, a pick, or something, that front that front four was forcing everything, and they played a very very good game and got the Bengals into a even though they're technically right now still at the bottom of the division because the Steelers and Browns are three and two, the Ravens are four and two. They're in a situation now where uh, coming off of a bye, you get Joe Burrow even healthier, who is still looking better and better by every week, even if the stats aren't always going to be better and better every week, the way he's scrambling and moving. They have, like, they have legitimate hope now. Like, coming off out of – coming after even the Rams game, you're looking like they barely are sustaining life. Like, thank God they won for them. But, like, now they have, like, legitimate hope. Like, okay, the season's not lost. We come off of this by we have a tough stretch. Even if we go three and three through this next six and puts us at six and six, we can still get into the playoffs at 10 and seven, 11 and six, and then we'll see how it goes from there. So I would say that Bengals front really won them the game against a very good Seahawks team. Mine and Tim Super Bowl preview. (laughs) 
It's crazy. That's true. (laughs) Super Bowl preview. (laughs) It's crazy to think. Um, So far, I'm not sure how confident I feel in that, but hey, we're going to stick with it because that's what we do. All right. So do you guys have any other points on those two games before I go into the next question? Um, We'll probably touch on those teams later. I'll say that. Okay. As far as the Seahawks and Bengals. Okay. Um, so which team, we obviously had the biggest surprise of the weekend. What player had the best weekend, but overall, what team do you think had the best win of the weekend? Tim, you yeah, want to go yeah, first? Yeah. Me I'll go, go first. Um, I have it on two teams here. I, I think I'm going to go with the Browns. Mm-hmm. This division is kind of wide open. I, I know the Ravens are first here at four and two, but they're all right there. You know, it's kind of hard of to say who's going to win this division in the longer. Yeah. Um, so to just not fall to potentially, they would have been last in the division if they lost, right? Yeah, because they're all three and three and two or three and three. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say divisionally, that's the biggest biggest win. Keeps him in it. Keeps him in the hunt, and then. Hopefully Deshaun comes back healthy next week and, you know, they're able to just keep rolling with an offense. So. Yep. Kyle, what about you? <clears throat> you said you had two teams, though. Who's the other, the one? other one was the Jets, just because I didn't expect them to win. So, uh, And if Aaron Rodgers does come back sure. week 12, this win is pretty pivotal for him. Um, I didn't expect them with Zach Wilson to be – are they 3-3 three and three right now? They're three and three, and they Somehow. there was we were talking before the season. Obviously, Timmy, you had them a little better, mm-hmm. but we were talking when we were going back and forth about that that they could be two and four, three and three with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So the fact that they're two, three and three without Aaron exactly. Rodgers, and they might get him back, means a lot. You know this, and then the so. chance to get him back. I'm not putting it off the table. I obviously, I it's an Achilles injury, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to put it off to the side. So, uh, Kyle, what was yours? Sorry. Yeah, I have no idea how the hell the Jets are three and three. Among other teams, by the way, but the Jets specifically, I'm shocked. Uh, my win of the weekend, along with Tim, it's the Browns for sure. I mean, that was damn near a playoff game. They had some breaks with McCaffrey and Debo going out and Trent Williams, but hey, that's football. Uh, that was an incredible atmosphere. That was mm-hmm. <laughs> Cleveland has a true home field advantage. That defense put on a spectacular performance, weapons down or not. Um, Ended up being a 50-50 shot there with a field goal at the end from 41 yards. Niners miss it. But everything about that felt like a playoff game. The way the Browns carry themselves truly makes you believe they think they're a contender with Deshaun. Um, So for them to do that with their backup quarterback, technically third string since he didn't start last week, uh, that's I don't care what shape the Niners are in, the Niners got to win that game. So that's a hell of a win for the Browns. That's the win of the weekend for me. Um, I definitely don't disagree with you guys. I went two different routes. I put two teams. One was to couple off of Kyle's point earlier when we were talking about one of the uh, best weekends was the Detroit Lions. As Kyle was saying, I think that was a spot where if they lose that game, it makes sense. They have, the Ra- as you said, the Ravens next week, Bucks off of a bye, and you go in there and not only win that game, but you control the entirety of the game. Like, there was not a point where you weren't in firm control of the game, and you did it on the road when you're known to be a really good home team, but you don't travel as well. So, regardless, they have Gibbs was out. Um, now Montgomery's going to be missing some time, so it's going to be interesting this coming week against the Ravens. But 
the Lions had a huge win this week, and I want to, I definitely want to show light on that. And the other one, in a different way, is Jacksonville. The reason being is we talked on this pod a couple weeks ago about we did not know, we thought they could possibly go 0-2 in London and then also maybe lose coming back against the tough Colts team because it's a division game. They went 2-0 in London, and they beat the Colts coming off of that. So I think that is a very big win for them because they're now establishing themselves again in the AFC. Absolutely. Uh, Just to build off that, yeah, I mean, I I thought it was going to be trending towards at this point that the Jags might be in trouble. Mm -hmm. And then you look, the Titans have lost a couple games. Looks like Anthony Richardson might be out Mm -hmm. for the year. Uh, I like Minshew, but I don't think I don't think that's going to bode well for the Colts if they have playoff hopes. Mm -hmm. So the Jacks go three and zero in the stretch, and they got the Saints on Thursday. Definitely their hardest stretch of the year, schedule wise. And you know, if they lose that game on Thursday, they're going to be fine. You know, I mean, they really only got to worry about the Texans now. It seems like the Titans will put up a fight, but I mean, as far as just head to head. You know, I mean, you really got to worry about the Texans. I mean, they got to handle their business. Don't get me wrong, but they put themselves in a comfortable spot for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on both of those. Yep. Okay. And from best win of the weekend, we're going to go to which contending team do you feel like is in the most trouble moving forward? And also little bit of an asterisk if the cowboys were to lose we might choose them but obviously we're doing this on monday so they're probably not in it unless you're that adamant that they're losing but go on uh kyle or timmy whoever wants to start i can start with this one Uh, i actually have a three-way tie between the chiefs the cowboys and the Bengals. uh chiefs it's hard to tell because obviously once they get to the playoffs, you're still going to be like, all right, it's the Chiefs. Like it's got Mahomes, they got Andy Reid, whatever, whatever. They'll have the home field advantage. At least it looks that way. Um, they just haven't looked potent on offense. And I said before the season, I was pretty worried about their wide receiving core, and that's been their weakness so far. Like if Kelsey misses any stretch at all, it's going to be extremely hard for them to win games. Um, so little asterisk there, but not as much. Then I got the Cowboys, too, because, I mean, look, they could lose this game. Um, they're going to be in the mix anyway, mm-hmm. but you just can't feel good about them if you're a Cowboys fan. Like, yeah, the Eagles had a bad loss yesterday, which you got to feel good if you're <laughs> the Cowboys coming off the first four weeks that they had, uh, first five weeks even. But, I mean, they're just so inconsistent. We talk about it all the time, like what the old Stephen A adages, what will go wrong or what can go wrong with them will go wrong. Like Mm -hmm. it just seems like that holds true even till today. So they're automatically by default in that mix. And then the Bengals, because, yeah, they did come away with a win yesterday, but it felt like the Seahawks were the much better team. Uh, They kind of lived in the red zone. They were eating up yardage. Uh, I think the Bengals only got 15 first downs. Uh, So they do find themselves at three and three. They do have a tough schedule, but they still don't look like the Bengals we want them to look like. So I would say I'm worried about them as far as contender status. Those would be my top three. Okay. Uh, Timmy, uh, what about you? I found this kind of hard to like put a few teams in here. I didn't want to put the Bengals because I knew you guys would probably put the Bengals. One of you would at least. Um, And then it was hard for me to determine like, is this team truly a contender? That's why it was hard for me to put the Cowboys here. I did put the Cowboys here. Um, Because I do think um, that even if they win tonight, um, they have two kind of ugly losses uh, that they totally could have won if they, like, at least one of those games they could have won. They could have beat the Cardinals. 
Um, the 49ers just dominated them. But it was hard for me to put them here just because I don't really consider them a contender uh, because they haven't been for 25 years. But I also have the Chargers here. That was another question mark. Are they truly a contender? Um, I think mm-hmm. offensively they're definitely a contender, but they don't have the defense to really get them there. Um, every single year they kind of seems to go around like 10-7-ish, and seven ish, um, which definitely can put them in the playoffs, which can put them on a run. Um, so if we're saying playoff teams, definitely. I'm kind of worried about them defensively. Um, and then finally, this is the, the big one. I think the Seahawks are kind of worrisome. Their offense has really looked lackluster, minus like Kenneth Walker looks pretty solid, but like Geno just doesn't look like last year's Geno. The wide receiver core hasn't really popped off the way it was. They haven't really used Jackson Smith and Jigba a lot. Like it just kind of seems like they're not firing on all cylinders offensively and then defensively. They're good. Um, like they held the Bengals to 17. That's pretty solid. Um, it's just, I don't know if this Seahawks team can go the distance the way I thought they did. They could before the season. So, mm-hmm. Tim was sweating right there before he said it. Yeah, I, I, I paused. <laughs> I was going to cue uh, Kyle. The Seahawks, <laughs> right? Call it for backup there. Uh, the Seahawks, I can see I can see what you mean. I actually feel more confident in the Seahawks after their Giants win. Yeah, they lost yesterday, and Geno didn't play particularly well, but I actually feel better about the Seahawks going forward. I think they're farther along than I thought they were going to be. Uh, I completely agree with you. I definitely thought this receiving core and the offense in general is going to be a bit more explosive, but I think once they – I think they have a bye week next week, I believe. I could be wrong about that, yeah. but – uh I think they'll get it going the second half of their season. Or still got two-thirds left of the season, but I do think the later part of the season, they really get it going. Okay. Um, so for me, I've got two teams. Um, that was actually surprisingly neither of them have been uh, talked about. Uh, my first one is the Buffalo Bills. And obviously they won yesterday. They very well could have not if, they kick a field goal before the half. They get into that position. They kick a field goal there. They probably win the game. Obviously, it goes different if the points are there. So we don't know. But last couple weeks, they haven't looked good. And as the Bills always are, they look phenomenal one week. They look like, okay, being the Dolphins 49 to 20. The Bills A game can be any team in the league, even at their a, at their pretty much A game. Like an Eagles A game against a Bills A game, that's a 50-50. Chiefs, uh, 49ers, whomever. Just because of how potent their offense is and their defense can be electric. With Matt Milano out, Tredavious White out, their offense always in flux. They uh, they still are too Josh Allen dependent, even though James Cook was looking like he could be a feature. They still just managed to become more Josh Allen dependent. And as we know, he can be phenomenal or he can be – he can be down. So like, they're really a roller coaster team and it starts at the quarterback. They're a team that I'm a little concerned about moving forward for their championship hopes. And then the other one would be the Eagles. And it's not that record wise, they're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that. They're just too, they're going to be too good to miss the playoffs. They have a tough stretch of games coming up right now. Like their next six games is hold on just a second. Their Their next is no joke. Their next, their next games are the Dolphins, at Commanders, Cowboys, at Chiefs, Bills come see them, 49ers come see them, at Cowboys, at Seahawks. That's their next eight games. 
The worst team is Washington, and Washington gives them fits every time they play them. They're just one of those teams that just manages to give them fits regardless of the stature of how they are. So that's even a tough game. Their next eight is against Super Bowl, legitimate Super Bowl contenders for all of them. And because we think the Seahawks are, so literally all of them but the Commanders are Super Bowl contenders. That's a tough stretch, and obviously you're coming off a loss, but it's not even just a loss because even if they won, they haven't looked dominant this year. They look like there's a little something off. They changed their offensive and defensive coordinator, so you're trying to weave in and out of that, get a whole new system in there. Obviously you still have Nick Sirianni, but Shane Steichen's not there, so that offense is looking a little off. Jalen Hurts has looked a little off. And like right now, they could play around and go four and three, three and four, and then maybe, just maybe, Dallas could sneak into the division lead. Maybe uh, they maybe they're a three seed. The 49ers are better than them. Detroit may be better than them. So, a little worried with how the Eagles are looking right now. Not that they won't make the playoffs, but as contender status, I'm a little concerned with how they've been playing. I gotta say, as someone who has the Eagles winning it all, I'm. My concern level is very low. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they they haven't looked good, but they are five and one. Let's say they went four and four in that eight week stretch. They're still nine and five, yeah. which isn't great, but you know there's gonna be some regression from last year. I think they're the most well coached team in the league, and you know if they push came to shove and they got to go into Dallas in the playoffs and win a game, I trust the Eagles wholeheartedly in that situation. Even if it's Detroit, I would trust the Eagles wholeheartedly, um, and you know. You point out some good points there because Detroit does have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. So, yeah, they could overtake something. But the Eagles likely will. I mean, I don't know this, but they likely will go better than 4-4 four and four over that eight-game stretch. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, one of the classes of the league. So, me, as someone who picked them to win it all, I do not harbor too much concern over them at all. Them or the Niners, really. Tim, do you have any concerns about the Eagles at all? Concerned. Oh, sorry, Kyle. Um, no, no, I was just finishing my point. I probably wouldn't say I have any concern. Mainly the point is they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to coast, you know, like Kyle just said, they could be nine and five by the end of that stretch. They're going to make the playoffs. Like they, mm-hmm. they could win their division being nine and five at that point in the season. Well, absolutely. Um, and then does it comes down to, can they win a playoff game? Absolutely. I think they can win a playoff game. I'm not too worried. I do feel the worry about the bills um, just because we haven't seen playoff success from the bills in recent years so um for the eagles now for the bills i would say there's definitely some concern okay and these questions are all flowing into the last one that i have and that one is who are your top three teams in each conference right now you can rank them i'm just not required for you to rank them rankings are always cool for me because I, I like to rank things um I don't know if I can rank them on the fly, but I can give you all three. No, it's fine. Um, no, that's fine. You don't have to. So on in the NFC side, this is the one that I found really easy to do. Um, mm-hmm. 49ers, Eagles, and Lions. Those are the three best teams. Mm-hmm. They've got defenses. Their offenses look like they can function, score you 28 on any given week. Um, these are the three teams that I like in the playoffs. I think um, I was pretty big on the Lions before the season, and I think – they're looking really, really good. So they lost a shootout to the Seahawks as well. So they could easily be 6-0 and if, you know, they could play against the Seahawks any year. I think they've lost like 
six straight matchups against the Seahawks. But those yeah. those three teams, I think, are far and away the best NFC teams. And then there's going to be a lot of like mediocre 85 overall teams that are going to make it in. And then like like the Cowboys are obviously better, but I don't think they can win. So, but those three, mm-hmm. that's what I got. Okay, and Kyle, you go NFC, and then we'll go AFC. Kind of just bounce off of that. Sure, yeah, I have the same three NFC teams. Um, Again, zero concern about specifically the Eagles and Niners. I think yesterday, in a vacuum, each were fluke losses. Uh, I think if you play each game 50 times there, 45 out of 50 for each. Uh, Maybe a little less for the Niners yesterday, given that defense, but they keep their guys healthy. They win that game 45 out of 50 times, so... The Lions as well, they leapfrog the Cowboys for me. Big win for them yesterday. Um, playing well on both sides of the ball. So those are my top three in the NFC side. Those are my top three in the NFC side as well. I think that it's kind of pretty much definitive at this point. Really the only con- conversation would be the Lions, the Cowboys, and possibly the Seahawks, how you feel about them. It really all depends. But those would be really your only three other teams you could even remotely discuss. And to me, like, as sure, I'm like, I have no concern. Like, no, I don't want to say concerns because obviously we're moving forward. We don't know how the Lions are going to be in the playoffs. But the way they're looking right now, defensively, they've been very good against the run. They've been great offensively. Jared Goff looks poised and confident. They can run on anybody because they have one of the best lines in the league. They have everything that you would want to build a championship roster on. It really just comes down to how much do you trust Jared Goff in some of those big situations, and can they get big defensive stops when they need to at this point? Obviously, they've worked well so far, but we'll see when push comes to shove against some of these really good teams. Like next week will be a good barometer for them. Lamar, fourth quarter, they're up three. They need to get a stop. Or down four, Jared Goff needs to get him down for a touchdown. He's done that before because he's a veteran in this league, played in the Super Bowl, but... So those are your couple questions with the Lions, but right now they look just that they're not at the same level, but they look just as cohesive as the Eagles and the 49ers do. Yeah, like it would take a lot for me to like truly believe they're going to go into either Philly or San Francisco and win a playoff game. Like that would like I'd be shocked if I saw that. Even no matter what level the Lions are at, um I would even be shocked Maybe not shocked, but I'd be a little surprised if they went into Dallas and won a game, you know, just given the Lions' history. Um, I could see it, but, I mean, just given the Lions' history, I mean, they've done absolutely nothing. I mean, we talked about how a couple weeks ago, how, like, one of their biggest moments in that Packers game compared to another moment in a 1991 playoff game. So they just have a bleak history. That's fair. Stripping the teams. No, the Lions are – Yes, you're completely – Stripping the teams, you could see them go in, but, like, putting the Lions' name – saying the Lions defeat Cowboys or defeat Eagles or defeat 49ers, you'd be like, wait, what's going on? Is Barry Actually, and Calvin Johnson back? <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you. That's exactly the type of Cowboys loss that we'd be expecting, is them coughing it up to the Lions. Yeah, Especially if like the Lions run a two-game losing streak, too. The Cowboys would be ripe for losing that game. Yeah. Uh, but the Eagles Bring and Niners, I would just... I, yeah, right. I would be absolutely shocked if they beat the Niners or the Eagles in their place. Um, so again, that's why I have no real concern about the Niners or Eagles because they're just so complete at all mm-hmm. levels, every aspect of their team. 
Um, and it would just take a lot for anybody to leapfrog them in the regular season, let alone go into their place and win at any round. So, so. And here's the one thing that is important to see about scheduling is the fact that it might be in Detroit. And the Eagles and 49ers might have to play in the con- in the divisional, so they might only have to see one. So that's what's important about yeah. like receding right now, because obviously the Eagles have a very tough stretch. The 49ers have a tough schedule in general because they obviously they won the division. They see the Bengals, the Jags, the Seahawks, obviously. They see the Eagles, they see the Ravens, they see the Rams again. Like, I mean, they kind of have a thing over the Rams, but regardless, they still see a lot of these teams. Obviously, the Lions could easily be just 10 and 7, 11 and 6, but they also, with the, how their schedules lined up, could be 13 and 4, and that might get them the one seed. And going into Philly and going into San Fran is much different than them coming to them. Not that the 49ers or Eagles can't win those games. They can absolutely win those games. They have all the makeups to do so. But I, I like their chances in a dome, for sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. Their chances Without in a, a dome, those teams, especially even the 49ers, because they're kind of, they're not a track team, but they definitely have a lot of people who work well in open space. But the Lions fare, we all would agree the Lions fare better in their place than on the road at the, no doubt. at the other team. So that that could be something to look forward to and look and to see what the Lions do. All right. That is that that is me. We're done here. Those are the five I had. Uh Kyle, uh what what did you have to prompt? Do we do AFC? We gotta do yeah, the AFC, do AFC too. Oh wait, wait, oh God, I'm I'm a drunk. <laughs> Never mind. I'm a drunk. And you said five teams or you said five teams, we only got three teams, dog. I am a drunk. Uh, yeah, three teams AFC. Drunk. Don't worry about me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got the Chiefs. I got the Dolphins. And then it's kind of a 3A, 3B. It's kind of cheating, but Ravens and Bills. Um, I couldn't really pick. I feel like both when they lose the Ravens and Bills, it's because usually like they it was self-inflicted, i.e. last week with the Ravens against the Steelers, and then the Bills week one against the Jets. Uh, it takes it usually takes a team's A game to beat either the Ravens or the Bills. Uh, really, honestly, I mean, I mentioned it in the concern segment. The Chiefs is the team I have the most concern about out of those four, without a doubt, given their weapons. Uh, if they figure it out, obviously, that concern goes away. But right now, week six, out of those four teams, uh, the Chiefs I'm the most concerned about. But they do sit at five and one. Uh, they do still have Mahomes. They do still have Andy Reid, and they will likely have home field advantage. So, uh, and then the Dolphins. I mean, what can we say about them? They've been goddamn the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, like however you want to call it. They're just a fast break team. They're explosive. Mm-hmm. Uh, greatest show on turf, like the Rams back in the day. That's what the Dolphins are. They're must see TV. And uh, you know, I mentioned the Ravens. I mentioned the Dolphins. Ravens got the Lions next week, as you said. That's one of the games of the week. And then Eagles and Dolphins, that's going to be an amazing game in Philly. So we'll yes. find out a lot about all these teams, a lot of these teams, and what we mentioned next week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Timmy, about you? Not going to be much of a surprise, I think, but I have the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. Um, it was hard for me to pick the third team. I think the Dolphins and the Chiefs are the two, like, one, two, clear. I think the Dolphins are actually the best team in the AFC their defense needs to tighten it up, but they're going to get Jalen Ramsey back. I think that definitely helps them. Um, the only thing that can stop the Dolphins, I think, is the Bills at home. So if they 
luck out and don't have to play the Bills in the playoffs, I think they could they could win it all this year, or at least go to the Super Bowl. Um, the Ravens were tough. I also thought about putting the Jags here. They're both four and two. Um, I just think in a head-to-head matchup, I'd probably take the Ravens. So, question for the both of you. Yeah. And Tim just kind of touched on it, but Ken, you had the Bills in your concern tier. Mm-hmm. Tim, you have the Bills probably at four. I'm assuming out of your top three, but they did. They're just two weeks removed from putting a smackdown on the Dolphins. Why no love for the Bills? That would be my question. The main thing, the main difference from that team two weeks ago to now is, one, the Bills were at home, Bills Mafia, coming in clutch. And the big reason they won that game against the Dolphins the way they did was because their defense came up clutch in, like, every big moment. Since then, they have lost their two best defensive players. Davius White and Matt Milano, you cannot lose those guys and say that they're the same team. Um, Absolutely. So, sure, they have Von Miller back. He might, you know, add to their pass rush and, you know, bring him back in. But it's pretty tough for me to say that that defense is the same. Um, So, I think they go and play the Dolphins again later this year. We're going to see them not have much – as much of an issue scoring. Um, Me, I have... They definitely are depleted, so... Yes. So I'm in the same... And and they're not coming back anytime soon. It's not like uh, where you can expect them back. They're gone. Mm -hmm. They're just gone. Hey, unless Um, Tredavious White gets the Aaron Rodgers treatment. Even then, he's five weeks late. (laughs) So Yeah, I'll just say he's a few weeks late. He he might get back back for the Super Bowl. (laughs) But... Um, for me, the Bills, they're definitely a team that, as I was, as I was saying, their A game is as good as anybody's A game in the entire league. Josh Allen, when he's playing at that A game, like, he's as good as anybody in the league that's including Mahomes. Like, he can play at Mahomes' level. It's just the fact that he doesn't get to that level as much as what Mahomes does, which is why Mahomes is a better quarterback. It's They just are a little bit too inconsistent. And they are up and down in big spots. And it just seems – and then also the defense as well, with the defense not being as, formid, as formidable. The team like the Bengals, you could see them – a game like the Bengals, even right now next week, I couldn't count out the Bengals against the Bills. Regardless, because I don't – again, you may not know what Bengals team's coming. You might not know what Bills team's coming. They just beat the Giants 14-9. They just lost last week. They didn't play a great game at all against Jacksonville. Obviously, that was in London. You want to say jet lag, whatever. But they still went over there. They still didn't play well. So that's kind of where the concern is for me with the Bills. But they're still obviously a very good team. It's just I think they're a little too inconsistent, and that's what worries me. I guess I would just say that week one game, that week one loss was much like the Eagles lost yesterday, just kind of a fluke loss. Uh, that was a weird game to begin with, and it's a divisional game. Uh, and then London game, you can't really count on London games. I mean, I said before that I would take the Bills regardless, but, I mean, it's true. The jet lag really does have an effect on the game, or at least it seems to historically. Um, I actually have a question about the London games after. And then yesterday, I mean, you'd be completely warranted in being concerned in yesterday's game. Ultimately, they did pull out the win, at least. But there is history with, you know, coaches from the former staff going in there anywhere and this is across any any sort of matchup and just having success you know I mean he knows the offense he knows those guys better than most um and it was a kitchen sink game for the Giants they really needed some sort of result there so they had to throw everything and 
hey, apparently it worked. But I'm not – I get what you guys are saying, but I'm truly not too concerned about the Bills. They, To me, if anything, they've been one of the more consistent teams if you take out yesterday's game and the, the Jets game. Uh, London games like again. Those 33% are thirty-three percent. Kind of it's like there. half the season. You kick all three. Sure, yeah, but and I mean, then the other two <laughs> games are against the Commanders, who they beat thirty-seven to three, and the Raiders, who they beat like thirty-six to ten. Like they've played yeah. uh, the, their one crowning moment this year was against the Dolphins. The Dolphins came in off of a seventy-point game, and they basically just smacked them up, beat them up. That's that's one of the most impressive, if not maybe the most impressive. I'm not thinking about all the wins for like a team, a contender over contender, Matt. The 49ers over the uh, Cowboys was a very impressive win as well. Obviously, like the Bear, or the um, the Browns win and the Jets win were just shocking more so than really impressive wins. Uh, but they uh, they had, so they had one of the most impressive wins, and then they've beat up on the teams that they do, which is what I thought yesterday was going to be. Which I think next week could be, unfortunately. Actually, fortunately, I want the Patriots to lose every mm-hmm. game now because they're bad. But yeah, so that's. They're just a little bit too inconsistent. Like they have those games against the Jets more often than great teams should. I also want that's maybe I just go ahead. Okay. Go ahead to I was thinking okay. about this just barely, and I'm starting to move the Bills into the same tier as like the Cowboys. Josh Allen has this he'll go off and he'll be the star of the show and be a star quarterback, but then he'll also have games similar to last night where even though he threw two touchdowns, he threw a pick, and I believe he had a fumble. Somebody had a fumble. He has had three interception games. Missed knocks at the end of the game. Yeah, like plenty of he could have closed it out. Plenty of bad games for Josh Allen, similar to Dak Prescott. And then those wins against the the Commanders and the Raiders, and even the Dolphins. Their defense played such a big role in those wins, uh, scoring points, getting turnovers, all of those things. Um, that makes it look easy for them to say, like, yeah, we beat them 38-3, to but their defense was putting them in such great field position. Like, of course you're going to beat them by, like, a pretty big margin at that point. So I'm starting to move the Bills slower. Yeah. But it is a total team effort, yeah. too. Of course. Sure. Um, it's just we we see those games where Josh Allen throws three picks um, and runs just when he shouldn't and, you know, just doesn't feel like like last year in the playoffs against the Bengals. They completely shut down Josh Allen. Um, and I think – to be a true contender, you can't have that. Like teams don't really shut down Patrick Mahomes. He'll still have like a good game, not a great game, but he'll have a good game even with no wide receivers. Um, and even good moments. Yeah. But um, I do have a question off of this bounce now. Um, so Kyle, I'm gonna ask you first. Neutral field. You've got the Bills facing Bengals, Jags, Ravens. Right, who are you taking in all three of those? You can go through, obviously, but who are you taking? Neutral field right now. Right now, I got them over the Bengals, and I would have them over – who else did you say? The Jags? I would have them over the Jags right and now. And then over the Ravens. Jags I are, yeah, Ravens. I'd probably pick the Ravens right now. I trust Harbaugh. I like him over just about any coach, really, in the league outside of, you know, Shanahan, Serini. Like, Harbaugh's up there for me with them. So – yeah, I would take the Ra- I mean, look, I would take the Ravens low key over a lot of teams in the league. Just if you're mm-hmm. telling me neutral field, I I trust the Ravens. I really do. Uh, the Bills for me, it comes down like you guys make valid points, especially with the fact that their defense is getting depleted with these injuries. Um, but listen, they played in a lot of these big games. You can kind of trust them. I understand Josh Allen can be up and down, 
but he had a UCL injury last year, which, you know, put Purdy out up until training camp, and he played the entire way through. Uh, they do have those injury concerns. They do have the Josh Allen can just throw some wild-ass passes here and there. But at the end of the day, they've been in big games. They're going to be there at the end of the year. You know what I mean? They're going to pile up these games. Um, they beat the Dolphins. Like, they've got more positives than negatives to me this year. But if you're talking about health, I can't argue health, of course. And who knows? Maybe they make trades, this or that. But mm -hmm. I do think they're somewhat trustworthy. I mean, look, we're talking about inconsistent. The Chiefs have been very inconsistent entirely this year on offense. Um, their defense is, you know, putting them in great positions to win. But, of course, we give them a pass. You know, they got they got coming off a championship win. So, I mean, we can't we can't argue that there. But, I mean, again, that's why I'm more concerned out of any of these contenders on both conferences. It would be the Chiefs for me. I absolutely cannot see a world just right now, just at week six, where they're the AFC uh, representative in the Super Bowl. I just don't see it right now. But. Who knows? I mean, that's that's going to go with my next topic, actually. But keep okay. going, Keenan. Um, and Timmy, how about you? Uh, I'll answer afterwards. But Bills, neutral field versus the Bengals versus the Jags versus the Ravens right now, who would you take? Right now, I would probably go the exact same way he went. Um, so I'd take Bills over Bengals over Jaguars and then Ravens over Bills. I could – the one that's a little closer is um, – the Bengals, they've been playing pretty well recently, um, and that's not fully healthy. They haven't had T. Higgins at full health, and uh, Joe Burrow obviously hasn't been at full health. So if we're saying, like, fully healthy Bengals, I might pick the Bengals to beat the Bills. But uh, right now, currently, I would go the same way Kyle did. So I lean towards you guys as well. I think I would lean the Ravens. I have more faith. I have more trust in the Ravens than I do in the Bills even though both of them late games sometimes can be a little iffy. Obviously, we saw it against the Steelers where Lamar threw a bad pick. They gave up a, a touchdown. But, again, that is a Steelers game. The Pittsburgh Steelers-Ravens game get put in a different category than any other NFL game. Like, they're just in a different category. So, uh, so that you see that. But the Ravens, I do trust late. Um, I just think that – even though obviously they beat the Jags or the Jags beat them and not that the Jags couldn't beat them. If they were to play today, I would put my money on the bills and then the Bengals one is honestly up in the air. And like, if you're telling me they're playing neutral field for right, even right this second for a trip to go to the AFC championship game to see whomever, I don't know where I would go. I really don't know where I would go because again, I have, from what I've seen, they're starting to get back into it too, like offensively. And what I've seen, I do trust Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow more than I trust Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. And if the, with the way the Bengals defense, you said is they're playing, getting back into it offensively. Yeah, they've been getting back into being better offensively. What do you mean? They've had, like last two weeks, they've actually. I thought yes. What I think Burrows looked better, but I thought yesterday wasn't a great performance out of their offense. I, I don't disagree with that. Like, it wasn't the greatest of performances, but what's worrisome has been Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is looking better and better, like health-wise. He's looking more mobile. He's looking like he has more zip on some of his passes. So, like, the thing about him is, like, if Burrow is looking better, I trust Chase. I trust Higgins. I trust uh, Tyler Boyd. I trust Joe Mixon. 
So if Joe Burrow's looking healthier, then I can put faith into that offense because of the fact that their weapons are still very good. It's just had this year's just really been obviously Higgins got banged up, but it's really been Joe Burrow can't throw the ball because he was working with pretty much one leg for a few weeks. So with the fact that he is looking like more like Joe Burrow every week, I would trust Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow more than I trust Sean McDermott and Josh Allen right now. I just think Josh Allen's more apt to throw the late game pick than Joe Burrow. So that's where it's 50-50. But again, the Bills are just a good enough team right now. And the Bengals obviously haven't hit stride to where the Bills could just make it so it doesn't even get to that point. Like if you told me it was a blowout, I would pick the Bills close game. I'd probably go with the Bengals. Interesting. But Okay. And quickly, just to go over my AFC teams right now, it's Kansas City, Miami, and Baltimore, what I have written down. And then afterwards, I would put it with like the Bills, Bengals, Jags would be, as we just kind of talked about, it'd be kind of in like there. I'd probably have to go right now. The Bill, the Bills, Jags, Bengals, just because I'd like to see a little bit more from the Bengals. Obviously, in a one-game situation, it's different from the totality of a season. So, but that would be my my list right now, real quick. Cool. All right. Well, I got a couple questions for you guys. Cool. Uh, one, Keenan, you actually posted on Live Take. Check us out on the Live Take app. Uh, you said, I think the genesis of it was like, are the London games good? But mm-hmm. that's that's my questions for you guys. Like, what is your overall opinion of the London games? Like, yeah, it's cool to wake up like on the East Coast, 930 and be able to watch a football game. But I would say more often than not, like something like 80 to 90 percent of the time, these games are just whatever. They might have good endings, but the games themselves are just they might as well be a preseason game to me. Uh, do you guys share the same sentiment? Would you keep them? Do you think they're whatever? I mean, we got Germany games coming up. I think the Patriots are actually playing in it, which is depressing to have mm-hmm. to wake up and watch them at 930 <laughs> and then hey, watch them like just tearing a bandaid off, Kyle. You get them done early and you don't even have to think about it for us that you get to enjoy football for the rest of the day. I guess so. I guess so. And they showed a little bit of promise yesterday, but the penalties were just awful and they end up losing to Brian. Anyway, though. Fuck all that. What about the London games? Like, how do you guys feel about the international games in general? I think the London game, all the international games, I think they're good for the sport. Um, they're kind of like, you know, getting the roots in in these countries that don't watch football. Um, I believe they said for the very first London game this year, over a million people applied to get tickets for that, and they can only take like 60,000. So I think it shows that it is like a big deal for all the other countries that want to go and watch these games, and it is definitely growing the sport. Um, In terms of football, we tend to see like not the greatest games of football being played. Um, So, And I think that is mainly like jet lag and adjusting to time zones potentially. Also... It's easier for us because East Coast wake up at 9.30. The West Coast, you got to wake up at 6.30 to watch this football game. So I think they got to do something with these time zones. If they could, like, I get it. They can't really, like, push it back any further because then the East Coast is starting to push into the 1 o'clock slates. Um, But I'm definitely not waking up at 6.30 if I'm in the West Coast to watch this football game. I'll Tebow it (laughs) and watch it later if I need to. So, but. Good for the sport. Yeah, it has to be a re- TiVo. I haven't, I haven't heard TiVo in a Yeah, long. honestly, I don't even know where that came from. I don't even know if that's the right <laughs> word there, but it's like, like the year you know 2000. what I meant, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I was going to respond without even like, I was not even acknowledging it. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, 
It would have to be a super. It'd have to be like Bills Bengals yeah. or something like that for me to wake up at six thirty. Like, but if I for some imagine reason, being in Alaska or Hawaii for oh these games God. too. If you're a big football fan and one of those, you might as well just stay up. Don't even go to bed. Yeah, you're just staying up. <laughs> right. Like you're just out at the bar late and you're just staying <laughs> oh, up. Like, oh, you're not starting doing... another round. Keep going. Uh, another round, boys. Off. Hell yeah. But how I'm that'd actually kind of be a lit thing to do like just be like that late and have an NFL game start mm-hmm. kind of wild but for me I think if you're gonna ever try to move a football team over there I think that'd be ridiculous I think that'd be I just don't think that would even work out logistically literally with teams having to go over there every single week your home field advantage would be crazy but road games would suck so like it would it would be so difficult for to actually do that because I know that might be kind of what the talks is and stuff like that. Um, I like. I think it's. I think it's good, in the sense of your it's exposure. You're getting out. It's nice, but it's not always the most practical. But I think that they could make it the most practical. I think if you like whatever team goes over to London, is on a buy the week before, so they have time to adjust. Go over to London. And then the next week, they either play on Monday. They either play like on Monday or they get like some sort of like kind of almost mini buy. Like they have to play them at a later, not like on Monday, both of them, because they'd literally be playing each other back to back. But try to make it so they get the maximum amount of time within. Or if you do have them playing, they get like the Monday, then the Thursday, whatever, if you could make it work. But I'd mostly be coming off of a buy is what I would have it because then you would get them adjusted and accustomed to the overseas more, and then you'd have more quality football games overseas. If you just have both, because you can easily schedule it where both of them are on a buy, and then the next week they're playing in London or Germany or wherever they choose to go, maybe Italy next. Yeah, I mean – Overall, yeah, it's exposure for for the league, which I think is unnecessary because it's king in America. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we don't really see a lot of foreign. It's not like the NBA or the MLB even where you got tons of foreign prospects. Um, So it's really just a money grab for the NFL. And again, I literally can. I think the only game off the top of my head that I can remember like had an exciting ending was last year, which was Packers and Giants. Um, Off the top of my head. And Keenan, I don't know why. To, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember the Pats going over, but for some reason, like I remember them like destroying the Rams over there. Gronk had a big game, but it seems like it was a 1 p.m. game for some reason, or even like a 4 p.m. game. I don't know why. I, I are you thinking of Mexico City instead? Mm-mm. No, it was a London okay. game. Okay, because that's the only one I was thinking of. Because Mexico City, they went to there and they obliterated the Raiders. Uh, Brandon Cooks. That I remember. Day, I remember that then, game like, too. They just obliterated the Raiders, but. I don't this remember what that. time their London game was for some reason, but now that you mentioned I just remember that, it, I don't remember it like a 9.30. Or it seems like it was in the morning anyway. It, it, um, it feels like it was like maybe like a 12 o'clock game, but not like a, like, I don't know. That very well could have been. That very well could have been. That's kind of off topic. But to respond to what you said, Keenan, um, there is kind of rumblings. I could never see a team, a full franchise over there. I don't think the NFL will ever expand or move. Um, but if they were to, it would be the Jags because their owner owns Fulham FC uh, mm. over in England. And I could see them even increasing from two to maybe even four games. That's some of the rumblings, I guess you could say, from insiders, which would be, I don't know, it would be crazy for me. And that would be such a 
advantage for the Jaguars. So it I don't would. know. I just I wish they do away with them, but it seems like it's only gonna increase. Um, Tim, what's going on over there? You look like you're trying to. Sorry, there's just somebody in the background. <laughs> I almost wanna. I almost wanna hear the backstory to yeah. all this. Sorry, <laughs> you're getting lit in the back. Sounds like she was in a New good. York subway. <laughs> um. So yeah, that and Keen, you mentioned the scheduling too. It seems like the NFL in general does a terrible job scheduling all this. Uh, it doesn't seem like buys are bookended. I guess you have the choice of it, but it seems like oftentimes teams are playing the next week. Um, I, just, I don't understand their scheduling in general with, uh, again, this is kind of a tangent, but you take the Jags and the Colts. It's week, we're going into week six, or sorry, week seven, and they've already had both of their matchups. Like That seems crazy to me. Um, having six teams on a bye this week, that seems crazy to me. So I just don't understand eight, like, there's no how they come up. Bye. It's like week eight or week nine. Yeah, exactly. Like, just, like it just, just no teams on a bye, and then they go the next week. They have to, like it's like they have their set bye weeks in their interim week, like little stoppage. It seems like there's no rhyme or reason to like their bye weeks or anything or their divisional games, anything like that. Other than I think week eighteen's always all divisional games, like the you, final week. Yeah, of the season. most but, of this, like most of week one is, and then all of week eighteen is. But that's pretty. They like much do that. not give a fuck about fantasy sports and then when it comes to that with these bye weeks. But yeah, it's. I completely agree. Go on, Tim. With the overseas games, here's here's how I think this should go. I think they should get rid of Mexico City, and only uh-huh. do European teams. And then they could add four new teams, make a new. That would be difficult to make just one new division. They would have to make two new divisions. But think about it like this: if there's four teams in Europe, they each have to play each other twice. So all of those games don't have to be played surrounding bye weeks. They can just be played on any given week. And then your theory with the bye weeks, you get a bye and then a team flies over there or they get a bye and they fly over here. That would make it potentially work, all of those intermingling together. But you would have to add four teams and then you'd have to add four teams. You'd have to add like eight. You'd you'd become the NHL. Like during COVID, the NHL, like they had their, all of their Canada teams play and then all of their America teams play. And then that's how they got through the entirety of the playoffs. But like, any that would be wild. It would be wild, I would but never want to, I, I would never you're right, but I would never want to see I that. I can't see them games. moving a franchise. I, that just to the fan base, mm-hmm. like sure they've done it before, like Oakland's moved, obviously, and Baltimore and a bunch of teams have moved, but moving to a different country, I think that's just also it would be crazy to be drafted by a team in Europe playing in like Georgia Tech, <laughs> and then they're like, Yeah, you gotta move to a different country now to play football. It's like you're going to yeah, the Netherlands, exactly. buddy. Like what? Play soccer? You're like, going no? to Iceland. <laughs> like, I better learn Russian, buddy, because you're out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's crazy because you mentioned Mexico City. I think that's the only international game that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it does because it's have close. Those games at prime yep. time. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a close flight, uh, but they insist on England, and hey, it looks like they do sell out every game. Um, I do have... A couple questions now that we are at this kind of landmark mm-hmm. week, right? We just we're ending week six tonight. It yep. used to be you could kind of split everything into fourths with a sixteen game schedule, but now we're officially after tonight done the first third of the season. Yep. Let me ask you guys through the first six weeks, this is my first question. Through the first six weeks, what do you think has defined the league so far? Like what's the one thing that sticks out to you the most out of these first six weeks? Uh we'll start with Keenan. 
Who on the spot? Okay. Um, the thing that's defined the league this first six weeks, I would say, as, as you like to use parody, that would be it. Like, mm-hmm. if going into it, if you would have said, told me that the Bengals were go, we're going to look at the Bengals as a team that's not going to make the playoffs. The Jets would lose Aaron Rodgers, but be have the same record as the Bengals. The Patriots were going to be this bad. Like, if you would have told me all, like, the Chiefs don't really score many points right now. Like, their defense, like, their defense is better than their offense kind of thing. Like, if you would have told me all of this, I would have been like, I guess. Like, I get the NFL, so I assume sure, but, like, I guess, and then it happens, obviously, because again, it's the NFL. Like the Bucks have looked better than expected. The Justin Fields has been up and down, like even more than expected. Like CJ Stroud, he threw his first pick, but even on his first pick, it didn't turn the ball over because they fumbled and they got the ball back. Like his his pick still was just like a first down a Texans next play, which is crazy to think. But like CJ Stroud's been amazing. Like the, all of this stuff has been kind of like uh, the a team put up seventy. <laughs> like, it's just like so so much parody that's been in the league that up to this point. That would be what I would think would be like if I had to find the NFL right now. It's a pretty tough question to just come up with an answer right on the spot. I think um, what's coming to mind though is that star players matter um, we've seen so many star players go down to injury this year and it just completely shifted like game odds like Aaron Rodgers obviously the Jets turn into like a potentially sub seven win team without Aaron Rodgers so um, when they go down it's a bigger deal than people think it is like the the Browns are not the Browns without Nick Chubb and the Cowboys defense is not the Cowboys defense without Trayvon Diggs um, so I would say we'll see, 49ers offense. We'll see what it is without McCaffrey. If he does, time. obviously the Vikings were not the same yep. offense without Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Burrow clearly being hampered. The, Giants. the Bengals were not remotely the Giants without Saquon yep. and now without Daniel Jones. But yeah, absolutely. And Kyle, how about For you? Sure. For me, I've kind of said it a few times throughout these weeks. It's uh, the level of quarterbacking in this league. Uh, I would say, again, there's probably 10 you can count on, maybe. Sorry, I just remembered something. I'll keep going. Okay, okay. Um, Like, Tim, you mentioned in the group chat yesterday about, like, these boring games. Usually, or I'll say, I'll generalize here, maybe five to ten years ago, eight years ago, like, we talked about the level of quarterbacking was better then. Um (laughs) Usually, yeah, if you get those games early on the season, first four weeks, sure, like that, you'll have that. And then by the time the season upticks, you might get a couple of those games, depending on the matchup as the season goes on. Uh, Over and over, especially since COVID, we've just seen like these type of 17-9 games, 16-13, those type of ugly-ass games, they trend all the way towards the end of the season. Uh, And you're likely to get at least four of them each week. doesn't even matter the team. Like none of us would have said – the Bills Giants would have been that game, and that ends up being an ugly ass game. Uh, Eagles Jets, I would have picked it to be low scoring, but I would have assumed the Eagles got more than 14. You know, it's 14 12 most of the game there. Um, 
So just the level of quarterback. I mean, look, next week, the quarterback matchups, assuming the injuries hold true to what they are right now, one of the best, I'm just going to throw this out there, two of the best quarterback matchups we're going to get next week is Ritter versus Baker Mayfield and then Mac Jones versus Josh Allen. Those aren't the absolute best, but those are two of the best that we're getting next week. I mean, we could get Brian Hoyer versus whoever the Bears have at their QB if Justin Fields is out. Uh, it's looking that way. Uh, what's mm-hmm. his name? Tyler something, correct? Yeah, it was, it was a weird name. I've never heard of him. He's a rookie, so. Uh, we could have Minshew versus whoever the Browns throw out there if Deshaun's not back. That's a weird injury situation. Yeah. Uh, Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones versus Sam Howell. I mean, we just got a lot of Dobbs. Dobbs look good, though. So Dobbs, Geno Smith, that's going to be one of the better matchups next week. I just don't feel like this was the case, you know, five to eight to ten years ago where you could count on more trustworthy quarterbacks. Maybe they did throw picks, you know, like the Jay Cullers of the world and all that. But I think you still had more overall talented and more able quarterbacks uh, back in the day. I really Mm. do. One thing I agree and off of that, because we're talking obviously top 10 upper echelon talent. What I was watching, I wasn't even watching. I was at work today and on, at Dick's, we have on the TVs just like first take and we just we basically just have ESPN looping. And then the first thing I read, it was like 10.05. It was like the first, I think their A block was, is Brock Purdy an elite quarterback? Because obviously he had his worst game. And like, of course, that was their question. And like, so that's the thing. And uh, and not that we are like sports media. I mean, technically we're being media and talking about sports, but like it's different. But within sports media, you gain a lot of conversations and off those conversations builds a lot of opinions because a lot of people aren't fully opinionated. They kind of go off opinions, whatever. But we throw around in sports media, I'm going to use obviously not us specifically, but all the word elite in superstar way too much way too much and way too easy as we were talking about last week lamar jackson we we're talking about bordering on elite lamar jackson M- a former mvp a guy who right now where where we understood but he can go into any situation and we think okay he can go into kc and win, he can go into buffalo and win, which therefore would make him in the elite category but like there's six or seven of them like i mean like why, Bar- Brock Purdy, as we were talking about the top 10 kind of conversation as he's kind of like around there because he's honestly played his way into being around that conversation, that doesn't make him elite. That doesn't make him close to That doesn't make you elite. Being elite is like top five to me. Top five to maybe six. Throwing the word superstar around, we were as we were talking about this in basketball, Kyle, a little bit back, like there are more, there's, there's sometimes there's better players who aren't superstars. And sometimes worse players who are a little bit of superstars, like Kyrie has like a superstar persona, even though he's not one of like the 10 best players in the league right now. Trey Young even has a little bit more of that per se than some of the better players that are above him. But like we just throw around superstar and elite way too much. And I just think that gives that discredits people who are say basketball wise, LeBron, Steph, Giannis, KD, NFL, elite, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, like, we just throw it around too much. Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, not just to name only quarterbacks. But that that's kind of what I was just thinking. Because the question, is Brock Purdy elite, should never be a question. That that The only yeah. time this well, should be a question, if he's coming off of, like, back-to-back 350-yard games to get to the Super Bowl and then in the Super Bowl. Like, is he an elite quarterback? We don't need to talk about it right now. 
Yeah. I mean, that's exactly why those shows are borderline parody. Like, when you said that, I'm like, of course they asked that question. Like, that's just the type of shit First Mm -hmm. Take does. Like, that's why I used to be a fan of First Take 10, 12 years ago. Um, But it changed the landscape of how sports is covered entirely too much. I mean, now... Skip is a real big reason for that, but go on. Yeah, yeah, Skip and Stephen A. I mean, it just mm-hmm. in general. I mean, you you got Fox. I mean, I don't watch Fox Sports at all, so I can't really speak. But ESPN for sure entirely builds their whole entire model around debate and around hot takes, and it's changed the way people discuss sports. Like, I don't think it's especially in basketball terms. Football, it's a little easier, but in basketball terms, it's entirely uh, rare to just have a nuanced conversation. You know what I mean? I mean, basketball has been turned into a joke, into an entirely toxic community when it comes to just discussing the sport, discussing players, discussing teams. Um, Football, sure, that happens to some. I mean, football is pretty toxic anyway, but not to the level the NBA is. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's my that's my entire problem. I've I've uh, gone off on rants about that from time to time on this show. So, I mean, yeah, that's right in my wheelhouse. I mean, I can't stand what first take and first things first or get up whatever the fuck what they undisputed that'd be the other one i can't stand what they've done to the sports media landscape because yeah media does have such a control in general and you could really say it about all media but now you just got me going off on a tangent so i'm just gonna push to tim's reply and then we can move on what was what was the definite like question here that i'm replying to i totally agree with what you guys are saying like the elite category people are like trying to like expand it way too far um like there was more for me it was more of a point i was just saying superstars and elites just thrown around too much that's me and then kyle were talking about kind of how sports media is doing that so you if you want to just if you have any points off of that goal if not i think kyle had something else if not i don't know the only the only thing that comes to mind is i remember listening to your podcast you did over the summer on basketball and you did you listed like the stars of the nba and i swear Mm -hmm. i think your list was like 50 guys long and to me, that was like crazy because you had them all in different categories. They were like budding superstar, budding star, and like support star, and all this other thing. It was I can I can tell you I did a thirty-two player 32. list, okay. and on that I had nine people who were actually this is superstar, cal- superstar. Yeah. Nine because I had there was a list of superstar game, second tier name, or. I can even look it up, but keep going on. I'm yeah. going to look it I up. I mean, so I just, and your, your points were completely valid. Like they might not be a star, but they're like a great supporting cast player who, you know, could be a star on any other team potentially. But like in the NFL, we don't really see that. You know, you obviously can't go out there and say there's 15 quarterbacks, you know, that are superstars, whereas you might be able to say there might be 15 shooting guards that are superstars or whatever it is. Um, yep. But. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more yeah. bloated in the NBA on like where the stardom line is. Um, where it is in the NFL, like a lot of analysts will understand that Brock Purdy is not elite, and he's not even particularly close to being elite. He is just good, and he might even be very good. Um, so, yep. See, I actually think on, I actually go. think there's to some degree, just if we're comparing sports, I think to some degree. There is a deep level of stardom in the NFL. I just think we always direct the the attention to quarterback, wide receiver, running back. When 
there is quality depth at all positions. Like offensive linemen, there's probably as elite of players that you're going to see across the board at offensive line and maybe even defensive line. So I think in the case of media, we don't really get to see it, especially when it comes to linemen because it's just not a attractive position. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like D-back, you know, it's hard to break down the nuances of being a defensive back. But I think there's a deep level of stardom and impact in the NFL. Same with the NBA. There's probably 100 players you could make a case that's impactful players. It's just what their impact is. It's all different. So, but, yeah, but also, you know, less players on the floor in the NBA. So you can kind of choose eight here and there from a couple of teams. You know what I mean? So, no, you're right. You're right. And that's exactly why the NBA is going to expand soon because you legitimately do have players who don't get minutes who could at least be a good sixth, seventh, eighth man somewhere. Uh, you're seeing that more now than you would even three, four years ago. So, yeah. Like, um, he's not even on my list, but Brandon Ingram, just basketball-wise real quick, I had him in, like, the budding stars category. Like, I don't think, like, he's a true star, like, in there, but, like, he's a person that if – He's like your second best player, third best player. You can definitely compete in the league playoff wise and everything. Like Brandon Ingram's a very good basketball player. But in my opinion, he's not even one of the 32 best basketball players. That can be an argument, whatever. But uh, Tim, I had for superstars, I had 14, but some, but I had a list of superstar names, second star game. And then like the true superstars are like without anything else was nine. And that was, but I'm not going to need to go into that with the football pod. We'll talk about basketball here soon. But, um, yeah, so like Very it was, soon. there was like, there's in the NBA, there's just more. And in the NFL, there's actually more superstars that we even talk about. Like Fred Warner is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He's a he su- is a super, yep. superstar of all superstars when it comes to middle linebacking play. Like, He's doing what Luke Keekley was doing. Obviously, not at the exact same level, but he was doing things of what Bobby Wagner, Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher. Like, he controls the middle of the field like those guys did. We don't talk about him because he's just not, like, he's not Ray Lewis or Brian Urlacher. And that's when we talked about the game different back in the 2000s anyway, so we talked about that more. Someone like Trent Williams, we don't really mention him. He's phenomenal. Zach Martin's been phenomenal. Quentin Nelson's been phenomenal. We don't really talk about them. So, like, and Kyle, would, you're com- completely right when you were saying that. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, not to bring up this debate again, but you brought up Fred Warner. See, my definition of a superstar is different. I think he's certainly elite. He's without a doubt elite. But to me, the only superstar in the entire league is probably Mahomes, right? Mahomes is probably the only recognizable figure I'd for like Burrow's a most of America. I don't think Burrow resonates like that. I don't think I, people know Burrow like that outside I, of football communities. I do. Like now, like Joe Cool and all that. Not, I think I think people. I think his Super Bowl run and him playing. I think made him into one. I I personally would say I don't, Joe Burrow. Would I've be. I've never had a conversation about Joe Burrow outside of football circles the way I have with Mahomes. I have, I, that, or even I the way I have a, even the way I have about a Dame Lillard. I haven't had a conversation about like I've just I've I'm not even like throwing shade at Joe Burrow here. I've truly just never heard Joe Burrow or or shit Josh Allen, any of those guys really outside of football circles, unless you're casually even watching the NFL. But like and Travis I've Kelsey heard a now lot of conf- getting into that. That's, too, that's exactly Kelsey, what Kelsey would be the other one. Is Travis Kelsey a superstar? Kelsey would be the other one for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, Kel- Mahomes, Kelsey, Kelsey Mahomes would be the two most marketable players. And then uh, probably Aaron Rodgers, too, because he's dating celebrities. Aaron Rodgers, definitely. But, I, I personally have had conversations outside of football about Joe Burrow, like just Joe Burrow, like how he is like, personality-wise. So that's why I would add Joe Burrow into that, too. But And then otherwise, maybe I, Justin Jefferson. I, I think the I can't, way he's I'd like, say Justin Jefferson before just because of the gritty. I'll just say this. I know they showed Joe Burrow at a UFC event, and that crossover is pretty big as far as NFL and UFC, and he didn't get the applause you would think he would. That's why I'm just – I don't see it with Joe Burrow as a superstar across uh, across the nation. And the NFL, for sure, without a doubt. Obviously, Burrow is uh, was what a football superstar would be. Mm. But I don't think he's on the level of Mahomes yet. Oh, he's but not I'm on the Mahomes level. Like, that's de- like, Mahomes not a Mahomes level. But I think that if you had to rank them, I would go Mahomes, Kelsey, probably you could argue Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow. Like they would be there for me, unless I'm forgetting somebody. I mean, honestly, still OBJ. I don't like regardless, like people still, I mean, he's not even doing it football wise, but like superstardom wise, OBJ has to be in that list because people, he walks into a building, people know who OBJ is. Uh, Kyle, did you have any other questions or points, or Tim, did you at all? Yeah, yeah. My final want... question for you guys was: we we just looked back through the first six weeks. Now I want yep. you guys to put on a uh, what do you call it? The foreshadow hat, the crystal crystal ball. <laughs> look into your crystal ball, and I want you to look ahead of. Let's say we're coming out of week twelve. I guess that'd be the Tuesday after week twelve, which is also after the Thanksgiving games after the Black Friday game we're going to have. This is really when you separate the boys from the men in the NFL is after Thanksgiving. So going into week 13, so imagine we're recording that Thursday, going into that Thursday night game for week 13. We've had 12 games past us with all these teams, whatever, whatever. Uh, What do you think the league looks like going into week 13 after week 12? The true meat of the season. So, do you want us to say like the top teams at the time, like just however you think it's gonna look? Give me some sort of synopsis of whatever you guys think. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm going to go. I'll go first, Timmy, and then you can kind of bounce off of me with my thoughts. So, going in, going into week twelve or going into week thirteen. We're coming off of week 12. Coming off of week 12, going to week 13. The Sunday night game, or the Thursday night game happens to be Seahawks-Cowboys, which is very interesting. So, um, going into that, I think the Lions are number one in the NFC. I think with their schedule, they are favorable. There's going to be favorable, and they're going to manage to go be the number one team in the NFC. I don't know if it will remain that way, but obviously we're just going into week 12, not into week 18. So going into then, I have the class in the AFC, I think will be as followed. It will be the Chiefs, Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens, Bills, in that order. In the NFC, I would have, I'd have the 49ers, Eagles, Lions, Cowboys. Still, even though I think the Lions would have the best record. And then, 
I'll Tim, you go on, and then I have one more thing that I need to completely confirm in my head before I say it. Do you have a different team? Could just because you know you for the NFC, you said two NFC East teams. Do you have a different division winner in there? Just because somebody's got um, a winner. Atlanta. Okay, there you go. Um, Atlanta. I'm. Oh, and oh, and also Houston's in the playoff picture. Because I didn't say anything about the South. So Houston's in the playoff picture. I think they're they'll be they won't be in the um they won't have the division lead, but they'll be maybe a game or two out of it. But they'll be like in the seventh seed. Well, and I mean week thirteen. That's out. my main point. Is week thirteen? I think we're gonna see so many teams that still have a realistic playoff chance. We a lot of times we get to the end of the season, last four weeks, last month. And they say, yeah, 20 teams still technically have a chance to win it. But the Packers have to win out for the Vikings to and or whatever. The, exactly. And then the Lions have to yeah, lose exactly. for the next four. Yeah. And- so those aren't, those aren't necessarily realistic, right? That's extremely rare. Like it might be down to like a 3% chance for a lot of these teams because it's just not going to happen. I think we get to week 13. And realistically, both conferences each have 12 teams that are still potentially fighting for playoff team, playoff spots. Just because the NFC South is technically wide open. The AFC South, it could be sad, but two teams could make it. And we predicted this to be like the bottom tier of conferences coming into the season. Yeah, um, I think every conference is going to have two or three teams that are potentially fighting for that playoff spot. Uh, the last three, at least. Last yeah, because seven teams make it. Um, so that's my main thing is I think this is just going to be a lot closer than it has in a lot of other years where week 13 rolls around and 10 teams have technically pretty much been eliminated. Six of them have no chance. Four of them have, you know, snowballs chance in hell. Yeah. I just think it's going to be really close. All right. Kyle, you go on and then I'll I have one more thing afterwards. Uh, I mean, mine's kind of vague, honestly. I mean, I, <laughs> I think – Every year we see around that time, particularly, it just gets extremely chaotic going Mm -hmm. from the Thanksgiving stretch into the new year. Um, I think, again, I don't think this is crazy to say. I think we'll have a team that right now looks out of the playoff picture that's all of a sudden sneaking into the playoff picture. Uh, It's not crazy to say. I think there will be a serious injury that clearly affects the playoff picture and everything that surrounds that. Uh, by week 12, week 13. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I do think, you know, the stud teams, the Eagles, the Niners, the Chiefs, they'll all be there. But we'll obviously know more about them. No shit. Um, but I, really, I think it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be something big will happen, whether it's a QB change, whether it's big injury. Like, I really do think at some point, this isn't crazy to say either. I think the Falcons turn to Heineke instead of Ritter. I think they will need to do that if they have true playoff hopes. I think Ritter was absolutely terrible yesterday. He should have been arrested for how bad he was yesterday. Uh, I meant to say that earlier in the show, but, you know, I think if you put Heineke on the Falcons, that takes them from a wild card weekend team to possibly a divisional weekend team. Um, so I think we'll see things like that. Jesus, it's hard to forecast. It really is hard to forecast the rest of the league after that. Like, that's the only major change I can see as far as playoff teams off the top of my head. Um, but I think it'll certainly be chaotic. Who knows? Maybe Brandon Staley's out of there at some point. Tim, you said Brandon Staley's out by, was it next week? Uh, I think it was week six, but 
it doesn't really look like it now. Like they could lose tonight and be fine. So <laughs> they fire them immediately. Yeah, after they're like, that's it. Unless like this loot, this loss is completely on his shoulders in just the most epic fashion. Like they blow another 31 point lead. And then he makes this. It's blow. fourth and nine at the 36 and they go for it up four. Yeah, that is exactly. <laughs> just because if they get it, they win, but they don't obviously get it. And Dallas goes down and wins something stupid like that. Where you're like, oh man, we have to fire this guy now. But I have one more point, Kyle. And then, I mean, the game's just about to start. Actually, uh, Sebastian Joseph day looks injured on the ground right now, but two, two things I want to say, Keenan. Before you start, I'm sure you guys got the notification. There was apparently a little scuffle before the game or a brawl or something happened. Love it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, and then also, did you guys, this kind of goes off of the scheduling. Did you see, I don't know exactly the week. I heard it after the game last night. But there, <laughs> there's apparently a Peacock only game. I want to say like around the time we're talking, like week 12. It might even be the Black Friday game for all I know. But Probably. you're going to have to subscribe to, t- uh, to Peacock to watch the game. You can't even watch it on NBC. You won't be able to just go to a street. You'll have to download Peacock, subscribe to it to watch this game. And I'm pretty sure it's later in the season, not anytime too soon. Okay. I th- I'm going to have to look into that. Cause that is, that's cool. Um, all right. So, um, Tony Pollard just fumbled and the ball's at the four yard line. Dope. Uh, so Jesus Christ, so wait, One. The, just just to be clear here because this is important to me for obvious reasons. The Chargers have it at the four right now on the um, Cowboys. Well, four. actually, no. I think me? they're saying he was down. Yeah, he was down. So they're they're down by contact. He's fine. He's it's good news. Um, it's good news. So two things: one, Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham will be starting for the Patriots. By that point, Mac Jones will be completely benched for the remainder of the season unless someone gets injured and he has to come back in. Jared Goff and Joe Burrow will be both top six in the MVP conversation by that point. That's my last point. Ken, do you have a Joe Burrow tattoo? <laughs> I was about to say, man's got a lot of hope in Joe Burrow, and he's starting real slow. Not a- not at all, but I, why do I have a Joe Pro? Seven touchdowns to four picks. If they turn their season around in there in six weeks, if they're, say, eight and four, I don't see why. And listen, the MVP conversation is not about how you start. It's about how you finish, and we always we know that in the NFL. That is – it's the momentum that is building. It's how you end the season. So it's – and no one's running away with it. At this moment in time, I mean, Mahomes hasn't been but great. Tua has been a little bit up and down. Tua would be your favorite right now. Josh Allen's been up and down. Jalen Hurts hasn't looked great. Herbert has been okay, but his team success obviously has been down. Like Russell Wilson statistically statistically is one of the best quarterbacks. So if there was a year that somebody not not playing great early could come back and win it, it would be this year. No one's run away with it. Like Christian McCaffrey, obviously, if he – stays healthy this could be a year we could possibly see a running back get it because the top tier quarterbacks haven't been playing all top tier yet i mean i think mahomes already has five picks six picks uh josh allen has a roughly around there he had a four turnover game so like that has nothing to do with just that it just has to do with the fact that i think he could 
be in that conversation top six i have a weird bold take but i don't know if week 13 is early enough to say this but by week 15 Caleb Williams will recommit to USC because he's not going to the NFL because some bottom tier franchise is going to be have the first overall pick. That's mine. Because he said there's a lot of teams he doesn't want to play for. He only listed like six that he was willing to. So, who what, did you know the six offhand? Uh, I believe the Giants, the Vikings were two. Um, I believe ones he said he didn't want to play for were like the Cardinals. Um, I think he said he wanted to play for New England if they got it. Uh, it was He either tweeted it. And then I also saw something crazy. I don't know if this is a rumor or if this is true, but I read something on Twitter saying that he wanted whatever team to draft him to give him an ownership stake in the team, like a small percentage. But if that's, that's, if that's true, don't draft him. Like don't no, no team pick him because that's, that's just crazy. <laughs> that is... That is absolutely crazy. That is uh, that's week, crazy. Week fifteen, New England Patriots starter will be uh, none other than Tom Brady. But uh, that was the Warner Brothers podcast. This was the Warner Brothers podcast. I should say, check out the Warner Brothers podcast on Live Take. Download the Live Take app, iOS only. If you got an Android, throw that shit out. Get an iPhone. Get yourself an iPad. Do whatever you can. Download the app. You can do many podcasts on there. Embrace Debate on there. I know I talk shit about Embrace Debate, but it's dope on live take. Run your own polls. All that, all that. Uh, yeah, this was Kyle. This was Keenan. This was Timmy TikTok, G. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all of that as well. Just wanted to quickly put that in there. But Kyle, you finished signing us off. No, absolutely. At the Warner Brothers Podcast for all those that Keenan just named. Uh, we will be back Thursday. Uh, we will also have, excuse me, I got, got a little burps here going. <laughs> we will have at some point uh, NBA season preview. We'll be working on that. But we will be back Thursday for sure to preview Sunday's games for week seven. But yeah, NBA season's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Check out mine and Keenan's and Duke's review, half review. It was kind of, it was more banter than review of For All the Dogs. That's up on streaming services right now. Uh, yeah, we're out of here. <laughs>